Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Welcome to the Deep Water Podcast. I'm really excited today. We have a guest, uh, somebody I actually knew, she and her husband, when we were all in college together at Oklahoma State University. And then recently, uh, one of my listeners had asked me, they said, you know, I would really like to have somebody on that could talk more about discipling kids, um, more than just read them a Bible story at night, pray before your meals, but like some practical stuff. And so I was on Facebook, and uh, my friend Tracy McElhatton was starting a, ball, a blog, and I had been too connected to them for a while, and I realized that uh, she had a Ph.D. in um, Inclusive Early Childhood. Yes, Inclusive Early <laughs> Childhood Education. And then she's, uh, she's working in children ministry, and so I thought, what a great opportunity to have her on the podcast. So, Tracy, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I am too, really excited about this. And as I said, well, I didn't say this. I think discipling our children is one of the most important things. Like no matter what else you have, or even if you're going through a time of discouragement and you're like, I'm not really influencing anyone in the kingdom of God. You know, you always mm-hmm. have your children. And I really think they are your primary, one of your primary disciples. You may have a few others, but they're in that group. Like Jesus had 12. Mm-hmm. You know, your children are in that group of 12. So Tracy, uh, give us a little background on you. Just tell the listeners a little bit about how you how you came to the place you are now, and then sure. uh, we'll jump. Into some other stuff. I uh, started out in college as a parks and rec major and thought that hmm. camp management was kind of the direction I wanted to go. But when I needed a full time job right before I finished college, I became a para in an early childhood special education classroom, and okay. I just fell in love with kids and families and just that population. And the teacher that I worked for just really encouraged me to go back to school and get a degree in teaching. And so I did. I continued on as a para, but worked on a master's degree in teaching and learning and leadership and Mm -hmm. ended up being a full-time classroom teacher and really just enjoyed that and kind of found my place, but wanted to do a little bit more. So I went back to school again and earned my PhD in early childhood special education. And um, I just always wanted to be a professor and thought, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And I interviewed for a a couple different years. The interview cycle for professor positions are about a nine-month interview Uh, process. It's very long. So uh I went through two different cycles of those. And at the end of every interview that I had, I, I flew out to probably seven to ten different campuses around the country and Every time when I come home, really, at the end of the day, I thought, I just don't want to leave my church family. And just something was off, and God was very silent about where I should be. And all the doors were closed, which is what we were praying that God would, you know, show us the way. And all the doors closed, and I kind of came to a point where I thought, well, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in a couple months, but I'm pretty desperate. And so I just started asking God, okay, well, if this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, what is my calling? What are you asking me to do? And just a couple days later, my pastor called and asked if I would consider 
coming on staff as the director of early childhood ministries at our church. And I had been through that interview process once before with him. And we both came to a point where we were like, nope, I, I don't think it's your time to do this. Mm-hmm. And at no point during those, between those two times did I ever think, yep, I think I do want to be on staff. I just thought, nope, I think I really dodged a bullet on uh-huh. that one. But uh-huh. But just it was just perfect timing when he called and I said, you know what, I think I do need to consider it. So went home and started praying about that and talking about it with my husband. And we it was just all of a sudden God was loud and I he was not silent. And it was very obvious that that was the direction he was calling me, which I was very shocked because I thought, why did you just have me go through an extremely grueling Ph.D. process? Mm -hmm to go on staff at a church. I don't need a PhD to do that. I could have done this six years ago. But God has made it abundantly clear that he wants to use the skills that I gained in order to influence his kingdom for good and to help build up his church. And I've just, through just conversations and just everyday living, God has provided opportunities and uh, my passions have remained the same, but I get to actually use those passions and explore what that means and that passion Mm -hmm. is really helping parents that is my very favorite thing to do Um, I love to equip parents to disciple their kids at home and share the gospel with them through daily interactions you know not a a Uh sit down and share the gospel or the Roman road every day but it's living out your faith Mm -hmm. at home and just helping parents catch that light bulb and see what it's like so um, yeah. that I'm so in awe that I get to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you said that. Cause I think, I think there's a lot of times, uh, my perception, I'm not, I'm not a children's guy. Um, <laughs> that's probably the area in the church I feel least comfortable in, like, <laughs> uh, you know, but my perception is, is that training children in the church by itself is not specifically effective. It has some mm-hmm. effect, but the most effect is when you, disciple their parents to disciple them at home. And when the two work together, you know, then mm-hmm. you have a really high level of effectiveness. So was, would you agree with that? I do agree. I think obviously the Holy Spirit is capable of anything. And, you know, a parent mm-hmm. could drop their kid off and that kid hear the gospel and be completely transformed and then discipled and go on mm-hmm. to live a deep life. But uh, Lifely put out some research recently and it talked about kids that stayed in the church after they graduated high school and what that looked like. And the number one thing was parents modeling Bible reading and teaching Bible reading with their kids. So if parents modeled that love for scripture and taught that to their kids, then that was the number one influence in keeping kids in the church past high school. And that's not something that is just coming to church and sitting and leaving, that's parents doing a five chip at home. So parents mm-hmm. definitely are the number one influencers on their children. What what are some of the ways you've seen parents do that well in terms of like modeling modeling Bible reading? Bible reading. Just, All right, kids, watch this. Dad's going to read for a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I am the first to admit that when somebody says do family worship, it kind of it used to make me groan and think, Ugh, how do I do that? And I just don't like that approach, really. But parents can model Bible reading and teach their kids a love for scripture in a lot of different ways. Um, for me, it started with reading my very favorite 
storybook Bible with the kids. And that was the Jesus storybook Bible. Mm -hmm. And I started with that one by, I think, by the time the kids were two weeks old, like I would just sit with them and just read out loud. They love to hear your voice and it's soothing to kids. So we started doing that at a as a routine at bedtime and that's simple and um, easy to maintain. Um, we talk about, you know, at special times of the year, we also do like advent calendar type things where we read a certain scripture each day and tell the gospel from beginning to end. Uh, through the month of December, and it creates an anticipation around Christmas time and um, shows us how scripture drives what we're doing with our calendar and our schedule and our celebrations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it's really important to just have scripture everywhere. Um, I like to point out Bible verses as we're in nature or um, uh-huh go like this summer we went for a little nature walk at a park that's not too far away and after we got done I had brought a little bible with me and we read something about scripture in it and like finding activities to do where you point out some scripture that goes along with it talking about such as can you give me an example of that yeah so let's see we've done activities where we talk about what they look like, what the kids look like. Maybe they kind of draw a self-portrait or something and then read through Psalms 139 afterwards mm-hmm. or go do a Nerf battle or something, you know, with each other <laughs> or outside with the neighbors. I have boys, so our house is loud and there's Nerf mm-hmm. fighting and sword fighting all the time. And then after you're done, read through the scripture that talks about the armor of God and how we prepare mm-hmm. ourselves for mm-hmm. truth. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just trying to connect your, their daily lives daily to life. scripture and help them mm-hmm. make sense of it and see why it's mm-hmm. important. So just, just little things like that or having scripture written around your house too. We do that sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. And then our church also does Awana. And so they are mm-hmm. in scriptures and memorizing scripture a lot on their mm-hmm. own or, you know, with us, which is really helpful too. They know lots and lots yeah. of Bible verses because of Awana, which has been great. Yeah, and I also find that my kids are really good at learning, learning stuff, even before they, maybe, maybe even better before they could read. But they could, you know, they learn stories and they, mm-hmm. they, they absorb that stuff really good. But they also have to, I think, they have to have it tied into the practical, which is what yeah. a lot of what it sounds like you're doing. Yeah, I think you know we, our church has a fabulous library on campus, and so we check out books from the library all the time. And there are always some great children's books that, you know, have scripture in them. And sometimes they're just kind of fluffy and not a lot of depth to them necessarily, but they are being exposed to scripture and um, ways that you can apply it to their lives. And it gives a great starting point for diving a little deeper or answering a question or, you know, something like that. Yeah. I definitely find we started a little bit like you guys too. Someone gave us the Jesus storybook Bible before our oldest was born. And so, yeah, we were, we were reading it to her, but I also found, especially from having lived overseas, that there are some things that'd be like, mm, this is pretty American culture. Spin on oh, this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, or different things in books and you do have to screen it a little bit, mm-hmm. but at least you're, at least you're moving you're moving them in the right direction and they, you are right. They love the stories. They love hearing stories, telling stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. We talk about with uh, various nativity scenes and Christmas books. 
it's really hard mm-hmm. to find one that has a <laughs> Jesus that might look accurate. And so I try uh, to tell them, you know, Jesus is uh-huh. not white and this is why, and here's where he comes from, and, you know, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. But it right. is very cultural based in America very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was reading a book a while back and he was just talking about, it was talking about, about presenting Jesus to different cultures, but he was saying, basically, if you go anywhere in the world, where, where kids are, you know, growing up in church mm-hmm. and you ask them to draw a picture of Jesus, they all draw a Jesus that looks like them. Yeah. Well, you know, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And he's saying, you know, the Holy Spirit is able, like Jesus doesn't have a physical body anymore, at least not down here. Mm-hmm. And so the Holy Spirit is able to color him and culturalize him appropriately. But I also think it's really good to let them know, like, this was a Middle Eastern man. Yeah. You know? yeah. So what, um, when you look at, like, I got a bunch of questions rolling in my head. Let me start with this one. What are some of the things that you're doing to try to disciple the parents of your children to disciple their children? This is something that we're, we're working through as a staff. Uh, I think in the past we've been pretty child oriented and me Mm -hmm. and the children's minister really want to move to more of a family ministry framework, Mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, This semester, Mm -hmm. what last semester, we offered a marriage class and the marriage Mm -hmm. class was um, based on a book by Francis Chan. And it really focuses more on how you need to put your relationship with God first. And then this Mm -hmm. semester, we're doing a parenting class and it's very similar structure, but we're using the Paul David Tripp book, Parenting, and just talking about how the gospel transforms your interactions with your kids as well. So we're kind of getting into things a little slower, I guess. Um, The other thing we did too this past summer, uh, I put together, it was kind of a discipleship program, but it wasn't marketed in that way, but it was called Mm -hmm. uh, Summer in a Box. And what we did was I had an activity guide and the activity guide was filled with activities and routines and just different things that parents could choose from to do with their kids to build discipleship routines in their house Mm -hmm. and also Mm -hmm. to teach intentional things about the gospel to their preschoolers. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then we gave them a box along with it and had lots of different supplies to help them uh, create and complete some of the activities. And so Mm -hmm. that was my way of kind of teaching parents how to disciple their kids at home, whether they know that or not. And so Mm -hmm. that was kind of the jumping off point. And so now I've started to talk a lot more about teaching with this language, teaching spiritual practices or teaching spiritual disciplines to their kids. Mm -hmm. And because that's kind of foreign language to a lot of our parents, Um, but they're, they're learning. And um, the adult ministry is really focusing on what does discipleship look like uh, just Mm -hmm. in your own spiritual life. And so I think as we're doing all this effort together, you know, the adult discipleship component and then, us talking about what does it mean to teach spiritual practices to kids. They go hand in hand and they see how when I'm being discipled and when I am doing spiritual disciplines in my own life with my relationship with God, that overflows into my relationship with my kids. Mm -hmm. And then I can teach them spiritual practices as well. 
So that's yeah. kind of that's kind of been our strategy. Yeah, you know that I I don't know if it's the same study that you referred to at the beginning or a different one, and I was getting the information secondhand. But they're basically saying in terms of like what keeps a child once they leave, once they leave school go to college mm-hmm. adult what keeps them in the church and basically the way this guy summed it up is one of two things is either their parents had lived it out like their parents mm-hmm. actively lived it preached it you know it wasn't it wasn't just a sunday thing it wasn't something you threw around mm-hmm. to make your kids do something but you lived it mm-hmm. those did and then the other ones who were the ones whose parents were were so bad so horrible that they would almost move in with their youth group leader Huh, and and, yeah. and you just live with them, you know, because uh-huh. life at home is so horrible. Those kids would stick with the church. That makes sense. And really, yeah, yeah it was. I I heard it from a Vody Bachman. Uh, oh yeah, a Vody Bachman recording. So um, I don't know if it's the same thing, but it really it really does show how how important parents are. Mm-hmm. But I think it comes out of a. It's got to come out of an authentic relationship with ourselves with God. Yeah. And if we don't have that authentic relationship, it's really hard for us to transfer that to our children. Yeah, and the Bible tells us that in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And I, I just, that uh, passage is quoted a lot when we're talking about parenting, but it's because it's so mm-hmm. true and so relevant. Just that first part says, listen, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And, you know, it goes on. But that very first thing is the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And that's meaning we have to recognize that and humble ourselves before the Lord and make him our only Lord. And, you know, he's our only authority. And then Mm -hmm. we're doing those spiritual disciplines. We're loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind and putting his words on our heart. And then we can teach them to our children. So it it just Mm -hmm. really shows how the most important relationship in our lives is with the Lord. And then Mm -hmm. comes the rest of it. (laughs) Yeah. Let me ask you this question. Can you just give me some examples? uh, It could be out of your own life. It could be out of somebody in your church, in your ministry. Mm -hmm. This is the bad side. What are some examples of things parents are doing that are not effective, that that are not what are the mistakes they're making? The first thing that comes to mind is not apologizing. Um, mm. We mm-hmm. all mess up. I mean, we're sinners. We're sinners, parenting sinners. And yeah. so we're going to make a mistake and that's okay. God's grace gives us freedom to ask forgiveness and to say, I, you know, I've really learned with my own kids. You know what? you're being very selfish right now and I'm being very impatient and we are both Mm. sinning (laughs) or Mm -hmm. um, maybe I yell at them and it's needless or I'm just really short with them. And I have had to go back and apologize and say, you know what? I was being very selfish and I should not have yelled at you and I did not treat you right. I'm very sorry. Will you forgive me? And that same research study that I was mentioning earlier, it actually, that's one of the influences too. When you are able to go say you're sorry to your kids, that is such an influence in how they relate to God. Mm. I kind of knew that on one level, but seeing that in a research study just confirmed, yeah, that is Mm -hmm. really important because kids are humans too. They're not just, they're not lesser than because they're children and Mm. they still deserve Mm -hmm an apology if we wrong them. 
you know, and they still Mm -hmm. deserve to be treated with dignity and worth because they're made in the image of God as kids. So I think not apologizing is a big mistake that I think maybe we didn't hear that growing up. I know I didn't really hear that Mm -hmm. too much growing up, but Mm -hmm. that's something that's That's important to me. Yeah. What's What's another one? Let's see. Maybe just being too busy and too busy with, Mm. and even with good things. Um, We can fill our lives with ministry things. Me being on staff, especially, and, you know, we live in a Mm. two parent working household. So, you know, we don't get home and I pick my kids up from school and we go home, but I can be really tired after that, or I could let ministry just take over my life, but we have to, find that balance and be sure that we have the right priorities. If my kids have a need, I need to be with them and, mm-hmm. you know, not looking at our phones all the time or <laughs> making sure that we are paying attention to their lives too is really important and uh, not mm-hmm. over scheduling them as well. It's, I think it's really easy to say yes to everything that comes along and you want them to be involved in things, but sometimes you just, need to say no and that's okay because Mm -hmm. being at home is great (laughs) yeah it is and my general perception and i think um at this point in time uh, due to a few things we're in a little better season where we're not quite as bad about it Mm -hmm. but our my perception as americans just in general that we're like we're like a thousand times too busy oh yeah and it's a little hard to cut back on that i don't really Mm-hmm. My buddy Dave does this podcast with me a lot of times. He and I've talked about it, and it's really incredibly hard to cut back. And I, I don't, I don't know that I have great examples of how to do it, but I, but I know it has to happen because mm-hmm. you, you can run yourself ragged. I, I can run myself ragged, and sometimes we run ourselves. This is the deal. Sometimes we run ourselves so ragged with whatever busyness we have, even good things, that we actually don't have time to disciple our children or we don't have time mm-hmm. to disciple somebody else. Or like I look back to when we were at OSU, I was so busy in all these different ministries. I didn't hardly have time to be around lost people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I would have yeah. cut out a couple of those and taken some more Kung Fu and <laughs> you know, it would mm-hmm. have been fun. I'd have been around lost people. It would have been good. Yeah, I, I agree. It's really hard to fight against that because busyness is a symbol of success in America and Mm -hmm. it's just so easy to be busy everybody has so many things to offer there's been Mm -hmm. seasons where we just had to say you know what we're just not going to that I can't I just can't do anymore we're involved in one organization right now with our oldest son that is just it's all the time there's something that is all the time and we are the odd ones out and I think we're probably one of the only I know there are some believers in the group, but we say no a lot. And it's not because we're too busy to do it. It's because that's making us too busy. Mm-hmm. And it, it hurts after a while and nobody is happy. So um, mm-hmm. that's been hard though, because it does ostracize us a little bit and it's frustrating, but we just have to do what's best for our kids and let them rest and let them just be and mm-hmm. say no. Yeah. Yeah. They just don't have to be going all the time. It's probably mm-hmm. not good for them to be. No. What about you? Could you could throw out another mistake if you get it, but but what about the flip side? What are some examples of of people that you've seen just doing like really great things with your kids, where you're like, I'm I'm going to start that, or you know what I mean? Like, what mm-hmm. are some of those? Uh, there's one gal that uh, is just all the time doing really great things with her kids, and I think 
I admire her so much because she's always out in nature with her kids and just letting them explore on their own and um, letting them have a lot of independence. And then when they come back or, you know, at the end of the day, they're worshiping together as a family and uh, they're, they're a big family. So um, I admire that too, because my family is small in comparison, but um, I just, I love watching them because they're loving Jesus well. And, you know, they come to church every Sunday and they don't always have shoes on all of all their kids. And, you know, they're not always perfect, but, but clearly they both, the parents both love Jesus and their kids are so happy to be there. And they are obviously being discipled as well. And uh, so just, you know, allowing their kids to have that freedom and, and then bringing back whatever they explore, bringing that back to Jesus and showing them where it is in scripture. I just, I love how that family yeah. does that. Mm-hmm. That is good. And I really, I really think the more we, we show them where scripture is or where they ask us a question, I'm, I'm uh-huh. definitely in question asking phase of my kids. Yeah. I say, well, you know what the Bible says about that. And, and to the extent that they can understand it, like always taking that back to that. Well, th- this is where we know this, you know, this is how I uh-huh. operate in my life because the Bible says this, this yeah. is what I'm doing. Yeah, what about, you got I, another good story or two? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, just you know, my older son, he's eight, almost eight. And so he's started coming home with, you know, my friends are doing this or, you know, mm-hmm. I heard this. And uh, it's been interesting to be able to have a little bit more of the why conversation. Well, we don't do that because of this is what it says in scripture and this is what we believe. And making sure to tell them, you know what, not everybody believes that. In fact, most people mm-hmm. don't. But in this house and in this family, that's how we live. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's been kind of interesting to see him process that and see how our family is a little bit different. But. What, about for, what about for somebody that's a single parent family? What, what kind of unique challenges does that present to them in trying to disciple their children? What do you advise them? Um, I have counseled a couple different moms that are on their own. Um, and... I think one thing that we've been trying to do is find really good role models to help, especially for one, one family that I was working with. Um, she was wanting a, a great role model for her son in the church because husband or ex-husband didn't, isn't a believer. And so she wanted a male that could really speak into her son and model that Christian fatherhood a little bit more. And so we we're trying to hook up, single moms with some older men that could speak into the son's life. Um, I think Mm -hmm. that's really helpful. And then just being in like for a single mom, just being in like a women's Bible study can be really edifying and supportive, I think. Um, And helping single moms connect with each other too, I think also helps. I know here in the American church, it's very frustrating sometimes because our churches are modeled after, or they're programmed, I should say, for Mm -hmm. families, for two-parent families. And so single moms often feel like nobody sees them, nobody hears them, nobody can help them. So I think it's important to search out those single moms and ask what they need. You know, every need Mm -hmm. might be different, but um, rallying Mm -hmm. around them and giving them what they need, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, one of my single moms 
uh, let me know a few months ago, hey, you know, sometimes we feel like our our physical support is met, but we really need some more emotional and spiritual support. Please don't forget us in that way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's important. I haven't lived in that realm, but, you know, I want to walk that with them as best I can and help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of challenges there. And I feel like one of the biggest things I think about is just the energy level required because yeah. you know, by the time you've worked all day, like there's times like I'm, I'm done parenting for the day, <laughs> you know, like yeah. if you can't, if you kids are alive at bedtime, we get you to bed, you know. Well, you're coming home and you're ready for second shift, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's no downtime and there's no sharing the responsibility. It's just you work a full day and then you go home and you parent a full day, basically. So it's mm-hmm. hard offering yeah. to babysit or, you know, just cook a meal or something to help ease the burden is helpful. Mm-hmm. What about, how do you, going back to your education, how have you seen, have you seen your education play in? Because I'm kind of, I'm, I'm more of an OJT type of guy. And uh, every now and then, if I'm not careful, I'll get to ragging on seminary people a little bit too much. <laughs> um, so, so PhD is even worse, yeah. right? Yeah. So how have you seen, like, how have you seen God use that side of your education, that side of your experience? Oh, well, it's been kind of funny because when I first started my position, you know, I was telling you why in the world would I need to be on staff at a church when, or go to, or have a PhD when I'm just on staff at a church, like it's not necessary, but it's been cool to see how the Lord has opened some interesting opportunities within just the first two months of working at church. I went to Lifeway to a um, conference that was just for brand new children's ministers. And so there were like mm-hmm. 30 people there. It's intentionally a small conference. Got to know people there. And immediately the person that I had been meeting with was like, um, we could really use your advice because <laughs> we don't have anybody on our staff that knows a lot about special needs. And we could really use somebody that could help answer questions that churches are having. So I kind of became that person. Like I Mm -hmm. write for um, their special buddies uh, Sunday school curriculum. So I do that. And then I have taught different trainings for them. And then Mm -hmm. every once in a while they send me a phone call. Like I'll get a phone call and somebody's like, well, I called Lifeway and they said to call you. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that happens every so often. Um, So that's, uh, opened up some really great opportunities. And this year I'm on the ERLC, which is Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. I'm on their leadership council for 2019. Um, and it sometimes it just opens doors. They're like, oh, you have a PhD. Well, can you write? And I say, well, yeah, sometimes it just depends. Anyway, so it just, it opens up interesting opportunities and provides various platforms uh, that I never would have expected. I do some work at the seminary on occasion. Um, I live in a town that has a a Southern Baptist seminary here. So um, I've done some mentorship for students, which has been really fun. And I've enjoyed that, Mm -hmm. but just, you know, whatever comes along. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What, uh, jumping into the special education thing for a second, Mm -hmm. what do you advise parents or churches? Like, I know that this is probably Mm -hmm. like a, this is a way bigger topic than we can flesh out here. (laughs) But but give me a couple of things, like if you have a special needs kids or if you have some in mm-hmm. your church, how does that how does that change how you disciple them, how you minister to them? Um, I think 
uh, a lot of churches, they think, oh, well, we want to have a special needs ministry, but we, we just don't have the resources or the budget or the personnel. And I say, yes, yes, you do. Um, if you are willing, yes, you do. And you do not have to have a big, fancy special needs ministry in order to host families with special needs. Um, my church, we don't have a specific special needs ministry, but we do have plenty of kids and, and students with special needs. I do say, you know, our, my particular church, we tend to be reactive. Like we'll provide and support the kids that we have. We're not real proactive yet, but we're moving there in some spaces. But the church down the street from us, um, they host, they're well known for their special needs ministry and they host like mm-hmm. 600 families with special needs every wow. weekend. So, you know, that's their specialty. Um, so I work with that uh, pastor on occasion and um, I'm in a small group with him. I think what's important to remember, if you have a family that's coming in the door, ask them about their child and ask them, how can we best minister to you today? Mm-hmm. You know, what does your child need today to be successful? Don't ask what's wrong with your kid or uh, (laughs) what do I need to know? What do I need to know is an okay question, but it can be better. Like you can ask, tell me how I can celebrate your child today or tell me how I can support your child today. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's helpful. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. And then another thing that you can do as a church and you don't have to be big, you just have to have a willing person is have like a buddy ministry. We do this, but we don't really advertise it because we're just not ready to yet. If we have a child that needs support in class in order to stay in class and experience what Sunday school is like or experience what church or student ministry is like, then we have a buddy that comes alongside and we kind of call it a a guide on the side. They're not a teacher. Mm -hmm. They're just a guide Mm -hmm. and they help that individual do whatever needs to be done, like focus on their work or um, transition well or go to church, you know, whatever needs to happen. And they don't teach the lesson. They're just there for support, really. So that's something much like, that... Much like you might do in a public school or something. It's like a para, but we're, you know, mm-hmm. we're just not going to call it that, but it's kind of right. like a para or a teacher's aide or something like that. But um, mm-hmm. that's really effective and helpful, and it doesn't have to be another adult. It could be a peer if that child is mm-hmm. old enough. Um, it could be a mm-hmm. student from student ministry. It could be a middle school kid that comes down to the preschool area. Um, it can be, you can be very creative in how you fulfill mm-hmm. that role. But um, I think that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Switch back a little bit. What are you doing in terms of teaching parents to pray for their children? What are you praying for your children? A lot of times for my own kids, I pray that they would love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. That's one of the things that comes out of my mouth a lot. And I also pray mm-hmm. that they would love the Lord love scriptures and love other people. Mm-hmm. Those are just the two things that I feel are on my heart most of the time for them. They're broad and they're not very mm-hmm. specific, but, but those are the big vision things that I have for my kids. Um, I also pray for protection for them a lot for spiritual protection. And I pray for uh, that God would, I have young boys. And so it kind of scares me a little. I'm not a boy, but (laughs) I know research that talks about what boys are exposed to at such a young age. And it does scare me. And so 
and I don't want to live in that spot of fear. And so I find myself praying, God, would you protect their eyes and protect their ears and protect their hearts like only you can. And um, so I find myself praying that a lot as well. Mm -hmm. And I think other parents are praying kind of similar things too. Mm -hmm. One of the things I did recently uh, for myself is I I got this prayer app on my phone. And one of the cool things is it will pair a scripture. You can select some categories and it'll just pair a different scripture every day. Kind of like the verse of the day on you version or whatever. And so Sometimes those will really speak to me about mm-hmm. my kid. So I'm praying that for them, and I will start tagging those and put them in the notes. And I don't always do a great job of it, but try and, mm-hmm. especially as God either shows stories or if they have a story that, like my oldest daughter just loves the story of David and Goliath, mm-hmm. always have. I don't really know why. <laughs> uh-huh. but, you know, like praying, praying in that center or thinking about that story as I pray for her. Oh, I love that. That's great. Um, all kinds of interesting things. I I don't know your own experience. For me, I had some grandparents that were just great prayers. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad's dad and mom. And they prayed for every single person in my family, extended family, by name, every day. You know? and, oh, that's amazing. And you, could, you can see tremendous, I can feel tremendous impact from that, you know, fruit that I, fruit that mm-hmm. I reap from not, not having sown, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the more... The more we can pray for our children, the more we can also pray for those that we disciple. Um, yeah. Maybe the more successful we'll be. Definitely. What about, uh, I'm going to ask you one last question and then sure. we'll kind of wrap it up. So the, the lady that was asking me about this, she was just really specific saying like, what are the routines I can put in my life mm-hmm. so that this, so that, that it happens more naturally or so that I'm ma- more intentionally, maybe is a better word. If you're going to just start somebody off with a couple of routines to add into their life, let's say they're already reading a, a Bible story to them at bedtime and they already pray before meals. Uh-huh. Give them a cup. Give, give me a couple of more. Like where would you begin somebody at? Um, if you're not comfortable in singing, <laughs> um, I sing a lot to my kids. I'm, I'm not a great mm-hmm. singer by any means, but I think singing is a great way to teach deep theology to young kids. Like my kids mm-hmm. love old hymns. We sometimes sing them at church, but um, we have a hymnal here at home and I add that into my nighttime routine. I think that mm-hmm. that is a fabulous way for them to learn truth. That's um, mm-hmm. one That's way that idea. you can, and kids love songs. I mean, what, what do you do. hear in preschool classrooms all the time? You hear songs all the time <laughs> um, because uh-huh. that's how they learn. I mean, it just sticks in their little brains really well. Uh, so I, uh-huh. I would add that in and then going for a walk. I mean, you can just do so many things. Uh, you know, I love the verse in Deuteronomy again, but it says you shall teach them. And he's referring to God's words. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. So I think that saying teach them all the time, but um, specifically talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way we're not always going out for a walk but we're in the car a lot or um in the Mm -hmm. summer we might be out a lot more walking or playing or whatever but Mm -hmm. uh, figure out some ways to talk about god in the car or while you're going for a walk um you can get like little post-it notes and put a verse on the dashboard and start teaching your kids that verse, like start really simple Mm -hmm. Genesis one, one or John three 16 or Mm -hmm. something like that. 
and just start talking through it naturally. I, and it's easier sometimes if you go for a walk and just point out colors and point out all the different things God made and have them be quiet and then tell you uh, what all they hear while they're quiet and then relate that back to scripture somehow. But really, if I could just say one thing, I guess, besides singing, I would say just get used to talking about God out loud all the time. Like make it, and that's why you have to be in scripture because it'll come out of your mouth when it's in your heart. But I know for some people, they didn't grow up talking about God or it's just uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Maybe they didn't grow up praying out loud. And so that's weird, but uh, just discipline yourself to practice talking about God and about scripture and praying as Mm -hmm. often as you can until it's on a daily basis, until it's during bath time and nap time and waking up and, and meals mm-hmm. and, you know, just all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Where God really has become the central, central point mm-hmm. of your being. Mm-hmm. And you share that with your kids. I think, uh, I think if you find yourself in that situation where you are awkward, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. this is the most awkward thing. We're, <laughs> we'll start with once. Okay. Once a day, I'm going to yeah. say something <laughs> yeah. about yeah. God, you know, and, and then after you do that for, for a month, set a reminder on your phone. I'm going to go into two times, two times yeah. a day now. Yeah. And over time, it really does become more natural. And uh, what seems really unnatural to you won't seem unnatural to your children. They'll be like, yeah, oh, yeah. that's what I was going to say, too, is it feels weird to you or maybe it feels forced or awkward to you. But to your kids, you're their parents and they're if they're young, they're still hanging on every word you say, and they don't think you're awkward, and they don't think you're weird. So um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really just getting over that shyness yourself, you know. But I know mm-hmm. that's hard, and that's most of the battle mm-hmm. right there. But yeah. Yeah, it is. I really like your thing on singing. Mm-hmm. I uh, picked this up from, uh, it was a book by Avery Willis, and he was talking about, he'd make sometimes adults like make up a song about a story along oh, the yeah. way. Uh-huh. And so somewhere what we did is we would start, we made, we made up, we used basically use London bridges falling down, but we have a story about David and the story about Jonah. Oh, yeah, and, the story yeah. about Noah. and it, you know, God told Jonah, Noah, build an ark, build an ark, you yeah. know, and you just, and they know them all and they know the stories and, you know, it just helps That's build great. it into their life. It's not quite as deep, maybe it's not quite as deep and theological as some of the hymns maybe. <laughs> no, but, but it's it is, still teaching. But it's good yeah. stories. Yeah. I always hey, write so, a song into my, when I'm writing for Lifeway, I always write a song into my lesson. And it's like that, like using London yeah. Bridge or Mary Had a Little Lamb or Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and just putting in a Bible verse instead or a theme mm-hmm. to a story or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's really great. Yeah, that is a great idea. Well, I, Tracy, I'm so glad and appreciate you spending some time with us. If people wanted to follow you, get some of the stuff mm-hmm. you're writing, thinking about, how could they... How could they get in touch with you? Yeah, How they... uh, I'm on Twitter at Dr. Tracy McE, Dr. D-R, T-R-A-C-Y-M-C-E, or uh, they can follow my blog directly at uh, com, which is M-C-E-L-H-A-T-T-A-N. <laughs> mm-hmm. I blame yeah, Adam I'll, for that. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, okay. So if you... You can't remember how to spell Macklehatton. You can uh, you can just click there and and get there. Again, we really appreciate it. I hope and uh, pray that your ministry keeps trucking forward in a good way. And uh, appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. It was a joy. 
Well, that's where we're going to leave you today. I thought that was a great interview. So glad that she came on here. Next week, I have a really great interview with a guy named Tack, and you're going to hear this story. It's, it was, it is heartbreaking, but you're going to hear this story of some of the tragedy and trauma. Sometimes, sometimes in my isolated, isolated rural American self, even when I was overseas, I just, you're not aware of how much brutality some people experience or how much hardship or just just things that shouldn't ever happen to a person. Anyway, what you're going to hear about is a hard story, but you're going to hear about how God has redeemed that. It's a wonderful story, and I look forward to sharing it with you next week. Until next time, keep making disciples, and especially in the emphasis of this, make disciples of your kids. You will never have a regret about that.